up, guys? This is Mike. Just want to say thank you so much for listening to episode one of Open Mic. Really appreciate you guys uh, giving this a shot. Would love to hear any and all feedback that you guys have. And, and more than anything, uh, just grateful and, and excited to have you along for the journey. So enjoy. This is the Open Mic Podcast with Mike Carlson. Welcome in, everyone, to the very first episode of Open Mic. My name is Mike Carlson, and what this weekly show is is going to do, what we hope it accomplishes, is is pulling back the curtain on a lot of different things, um, pulling back the curtain on you know entrepreneurship and, and what is it like truly to start a business. There's a lot of stories out there, I think, of people who you know talk about we had a great product and all of a sudden we had people selling it, but there's a lot that goes into you know even having an idea getting something manufactured, and then even making that first sale. There's so much um, that goes in there. So we're going to talk a lot about what's the process look behind that. Um, and we're going to do that through the lens of, of projects that I'm working on, that I'm a part of, and um, talk to a lot of really other exciting people who are working on similar projects like that. Now, as the name implies as well, we're going to be not just talking about that. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of other things, um, you know, sports, business, pop culture, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it all. Whatever really is is going on is trending. Um, we're gonna have that component to this as well because it's fun. It's it's a blast to talk about those things. You know, I wanted to build, wanted to create something that was a, a reflection of of my life. And it's not just about you know the the business entrepreneurship side of things. There's also an element of sports to it. There's an element of pop culture. So. In doing something every week, you know, I figured, why not, you know, build something where you can talk about all those things. Like I said, you know, we're still going to talk about the process of launching these different projects, starting a business, working on a business, um, entering into the business world. Um, But we're also going to talk about a whole lot of other fun stuff. We're going to bring on different guests. Um, I'll bring on some family members, people that I know, um, people that I met while I was a graduate student at Babson and an undergraduate student at Mizzou. And as the name implies, it's, it's an open mic here. Um, we're going to be talking about it all. We're going to be documenting it all. And we're going to dive deep into, into all of it. So with that, probably should bring you up to speed on, on what is going on. Um, what are the different you know, projects, ventures that are being started right now, especially now that we're in quarantine? And, and really what's working? And the, the first thing, it's something that um, I was, was fortunate enough to, to get a start with at Babson, um, and that company is called Topform. So Topform, it's um, a shooting device that provides instantaneous feedback to youth basketball players so that you know whenever they get in the correct shooting position, they'll hear a sound, and then when they fall through correctly, they'll hear a sound. And um, that's been something where it was started my second semester at Babson, so about a year and a half ago, and uh, has continued on through post-graduation and into today. There's also this really cool product um, that I'm working on with, with two of my best buddies at Babson, and that is Anchor Health and Fitness. And what that is, it's a, you know, if you can imagine a, a cable machine, you know, that's been shrunk down to, you know, about the size of something you can hold in your hands. It's, it's really cool. It's really fascinating, too, because it's, it's revolutionary in terms of there's not anything like it. It's, it's not like buying bands where, you know, maybe with bands, you're getting that, you know, stretch motion out, but then kind of a looser, a looser resistance coming back. It's a true cable machine experience and that you're going to get resistance pretty much the whole way um, through your workout. 
and it's a really great product. They're getting ready to launch. They're doing pre-orders right now. And our, what I do there is I, I manage a lot of the media, the social media, um, any of our content efforts, anything like that. And that's what I'm a part of there. I'm, I'm not one of the two founders, but um, I guess I'm employee <laughs> number one in that um, they, they let me run any of the media and I do a lot of the creation. So that's one of the really exciting projects um, that I'm working on. And that'll be really, really exciting to talk about. Um, and then the other two are our personal projects um, that started during quarantine as a way to just fill the day because uh, you can only watch so many community reruns or office reruns on Netflix. Um, and the first one is it's called Homecoming and it's a super simple premise. It's, it's really great graphic tees. It's tees that are sourced from high quality brands um, like Champion, which is just white hot right now, like Alternative Apparel. And um, we, we put a great graphic on it. It's, it's that simple. We do stuff ranging from pop culture to roots to roots being, you know, Colorado where my home state is. So, you know, beautiful pictures of mountains on the back of these shirts and um, really very colorful graphics on the front. Um, we also do a lot of West Coast stuff because, I mean, the West Coast is the best coast in, in my humble opinion. And um, we, we love to celebrate that in and out Burger, all of that super fun stuff. And then we're also, you know, into very simple motto tees as well. So it's, I mean, a t-shirt with literally a, a word or two across the chest. And um, it's something that works really well and can be paired really well with, with anything. It can be dressed up, you know, with something like a blazer or even dressed down with something like this hood. And it's, it's just a, a really exciting kind of fun concept and um, something that, you know, has been done on larger scales and, and bigger retailers, but, you know, not really on a, a very small lean scale. So we're excited to be working on that. Um, and then the other one is, is a very, very kind of small one right now. It's, it's called Off the Bench. And um, what it does is it takes salesman samples and it, it resells them at a, a fairly, you know, affordable price in that, you know, a lot of these samples, they are just stuff that salesmen take with them. They show the line to a buyer and then the buyer, you know, essentially picks the ones they want, you know, you throw on a graphic if it's for this or that, you know, we, we don't want this, but we want, you know, this embroidered on there, or, you know, we want it in this color or that color. But then once the, the booking season is over, these salesman samples, they just kind of collect us. They don't have a home. They don't have anywhere to go. And what we do is that's, we, we take those salesman samples. Um, we list them, we, we house them on our website. We take on that inventory and then we sell them, you know, at a, a super affordable price because, you know, not everyone can afford a, you know, a $70 quarter zip um, from, you know, a, a bigger box website or a bigger box store. But, you know, some people may be able to afford a, a $35 quarter zip. But the, the catch with that, though, is that all the artwork is unique and it, everything is really a one of one. So um, men are normally sampled in size large, women in size small, sometimes get some mediums mixed in there. So that's the trade off is that if you're not a size large and a quarter zip, you, you're, it's, it's kind of tough. But if you are a size large and a quarter zip, um, then you can buy it really affordable. And it's, it's a one of one design as well, which is really cool because it is a, it's a sample that people are, are taking with them. Um, so that is just a, a super fun little small project um, we're working on as well. And then this, this, you know, is just a fun way to, to update and, and document the process. Because like I said, there's just so much that, you know, happens from, you know, point A of having an idea to point B of, of really starting to build that idea to, you know, getting your first sale and then even beyond that. And what I've kind of seen as a aspiring entrepreneur, I'm definitely not an expert, not a, not a full-fledged entrepreneur yet, very much still aspiring is that 
you hear a lot about the, the very first part of it. Um, you hear a little bit about kind of building the idea, but then you don't hear about of, you know, how we got the first sale, what drove the first sale. You, you kind of hear, we made the first sale and then we went on a rocket ship and took off. And what I wanted to do with, with something like this, um, in addition to just, you know, having a lot of fun and, and talking about a variety of topics was really color that process and color in those gaps and see, you know, what does it look like, not only on a, a week by week basis, but then, you know, compound it over to a, a month by month basis. Um, so, you know, we're, you know, really excited to, to take you along on the journey, whether it's, you know, the guys at Anchor, um, my two other co-founders with, with Topform, um, or the stuff we're doing here, you know, with uh, amongst the three siblings, you know, amongst my younger brother um, and younger sister and, you know, the, the homecoming and off the bench stuff we're working on as a, as a unit. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and I think with that, it's appropriate to, to jump right into um, the first kind of set of documenting stuff. So with Anchor, um, for us this first week, this first week of documenting things, um, you know, we were really lucky on Memorial Day to, to kind of have a viral TikTok. It was super interesting. It was one of those things where it went out and filmed it after lunch uh, with my younger brother, Andrew, who's helping with a lot of the media. And we show up, you know, took, you know, 30 minutes, whatever, to, to put it together. Um, ended up posting it later in the afternoon. Um, went downstairs to, to watch a movie and to unwind and, you know, get a little rest on Memorial Day. And, you know, the next thing I know, I, I flip on my phone and two hours later, it's passing 10,000 views. Um, by dinner time, it was up to 30,000 views. And then, you know, by that night, it was up above, you know, 50,000, 55,000 views. And the, the real kicker to that was we were driving people to the website as well, which, which was really exciting. Um, we had over 100 plus people go to the website and, you know, it's no one converted to buy anything. But the, you know, the act of kind of brand building like that, um, we felt was, was super valuable. And we, we absolutely you know, we're felt lucky to go viral since then though, we've been trying to recreate that magic and it, it hasn't happened yet, which I think is, is super interesting. And I think, you know, could be its, its own separate episode of this, of, you know, what is the, the science, the algorithm of, of going viral somewhere. I know there's a lot of people who have, you know, devoted their entire business lives to it. Um, but what is, what does that look like? And that's something that we're definitely trying to figure out and we're, we're figuring it out iteratively. Um, but for us, it's just about you know, putting the amount of, putting a lot of content out there, excuse me, um, and really just seeing what sticks and what works. And we're going to keep doing that. And then, you know, with the other part of the business um, and, and kind of working towards that pre-order launch date, um, it's been about finding, you know, who our first buyer is. I think a lot of people talk about you have a, a target customer who's your ideal customer who you want you know, once you get to, you know, past the first 10, 100, 1,000 sales. But I think a lot of people ignore who the very first customer could be. And that first customer probably isn't going to be your target customer. And that's something that we learned this week as well is that, you know, with a fitness product or with really any product, it's, there's a difference between those two people. You know, your, your target group is your group that, like I said, you're going to market to, you know, a year from now, you know, a thousand sales from now. But that first customer is the group that is, is going to take a chance on your product. And these are, you know, people who are very innovative. Maybe they're open to this stuff. And that's something that we've been, been wrestling with this week from a, a strategy perspective of, you know, who does that person look like? You know, why do we think they look like that? And then on top of that, how can we reach them? And, and how can we, you know, not only 
you know, sell to them in the sense that, you know, we want to get them behind the product, but sell to them in the sense that, you know, we, we want them to purchase stuff or to be that first purchase, to be that first domino to fall. Um, and that's been, a, I think, a really interesting thing for us to tease out. It definitely, you know, wasn't something that was, you know, directly taught, I, I think, in a lot of classes. I think you focus on the target customer, and I think that's good. But it's, you also need to, you know, look at who's your very first customer going to be because they're going to be different people. They're going to be people who are open to new ideas, who are open to looking at new products. Um, and normally that's, that's not with the target group who's a little bit more mass market focused. So um, that's just been, been a really interesting process for us to go through and to really tease out of, you know, do you build from the bottom up? Do you look at you know, people at the, you know, who's your average gym goer and you try to do something more grassroots? Do you look at something more top down where maybe you want, you know, trainers and, you know, who are best in the world in, in these specific categories and you want to market to them or first sell to them so that they can then, you know, sell to people who are part of the mass market? Um, or is it a combination of both or are you targeting people, you know, maybe in the middle of that? So, um, it's, it's been a really fun thing to do. And I think for us, the, the challenge with that as well is trying to also keep costs low. I mean, we don't want to run a bunch of Facebook ads or Instagram ads, excuse me. Um, we want to run, you know, we want to be efficient with that money and, and really spend it well. So it's, it, like I said, it's, it's been a super cool thing to tease out. And I think it's been a really great learning, um, with this process. And it's something that, you know, I, I definitely know I'll take with me, you know, as I, as I keep moving forward. Um, on this really fun journey. And then with, with top form, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we're starting our beta tests here soon. Um, we just wrapped up our alpha test and an alpha test, you know, what we're learning is that it's the kind of the bare minimum of a test. It's does the thing work? <laughs> does it look good? Um, and does it function the way we want it to? And if it can do all of those things, you know, we call that the alpha test. And if it passes that, then it's something that then can go out into, into the wild, so to speak, as a beta test. And the beta test is, is meant to dig deeper a little bit more. And the real, the real reason you, you do the alpha test is though that you can get rid of any other kind of noisy feedback you would get, because what you're trying to figure out with a beta test is, you know, what are the, you know, higher level, what are the lower level, excuse me, concerns in that, um, you know, how does it feel? How does it look? What do you, you know, what do you like about it as a customer? What do you think could be improved about it? And would you even purchase it being one of those, those questions as well? And you can't dive into that if, if all someone is, is talking about is, well, I don't like the sound that it makes, or it doesn't turn on properly, or it, it doesn't even work, period. So the alpha tests were just wrapped up, so that was really exciting. The beta tests are gonna start here soon. Um, and with that, it's, it's really about, you know, all things equal with, with functionality of, of this feedback, instantaneous feedback shooting device that we're gonna be doing, would you purchase it? What does that look like? Um, with parents, are you, you know, who are, you know, for marketing to, our target market is youth athletes. With parents, you know, what does your buying process look like as well? In addition to this, if your kid brings something like this to you and really likes it, you know, what are your buying criteria? Um, and then working from that beta test to then hopefully, um, you know, starting the process over again of, of looking at, okay, if that's our target group, then who's our first customers as well? Because like I said, they're going to be different groups. And, and that's something that, that we're learning throughout this process. And I'm not an expert in any of this. And, and like I said, part of the reason we're doing this is to document what it's like to go from someone who's, who's not an expert, who's still learning to becoming an expert. And what does that look like? What do those steps look like? What are the positives and the negatives? 
um, with that. And I, I think that bridges nicely into what we've been working on with, with Homecoming. Um, it's how do you create content around your product when it, it's not here yet? I mean, we're, we're looking at you know, some longer lead times due to the, the COVID outbreak. And while we are taking pre-orders, you know, definitely want to stay relevant on, on everyone's Instagram and social feeds. So, you know, how do you get content out there about your product without actually having anything to wear, to model, to shoot? And I, I think for us, the one thing we've been learning this week is it's a lot about looking at, you know, some of the content that links higher to your why. You know, your why being, you know, why do you exist? What is the thing that, that makes you you and makes your company your company, you know, it goes from we're selling t-shirts to we want to sell t-shirts and apparel that makes you feel like home and and that's been the thing for us that we've been we've been doing is we're putting out a lot of stuff around you know positivity um you know we're, we're introducing slowly some of our collections and then just showcasing you know our home as well and that you know taking beautiful pictures of denver colorado and and putting those out there or doing stuff you know what else feels like home in that you know maybe it's recipes or maybe it's you know, music or playlists or different movies and developing content around those kind of sideways lateral things that feel like home and just putting that out as much as we can um, until we can get the product in and, and can start, you know, having people model it, style it, different things like that. So that way I think would be a, another big learning this week is, you know, when, when you're trying to figure out what kind of, of content to put out and maybe your product isn't in yet, maybe it's, you know, you're starting pre-orders and there's a long lead time. It's, you know, it's, it's a great moment, I think, to go back and to look at your why and to look at your company's mission or, you know, whatever your, whatever your project's mission is and then start kind of seeing, okay, if, if that's the mission, then what are the things that, that technically fall under that mission? Not even technically, what are the things that naturally fall under that mission and, and going from there? And I think it's, again, it's, it's part of the learning process and uh, it presents a, a super unique challenge and then it, you know, should allow you to be set up nicely so that when everything is here, when product is ordered, um, when it has arrived, you're able to not only have built up a, a, a presence on, on social media, on whatever media platforms, whatever kind of content you're developing, but you're able to at the same time, um, you know, supercharge that as well now that you actually have the product there. Um, so that's been really a really fun thing. And then finally with Off the Bench, I, I think the big thing for us to tease out is with people maybe not buying as much or maybe you know, a school's not being in session and, and still really up in the air, you know, how do you, how do you reach customers in a way that's not a direct sell, but also, you know, allows them to hear your message because, you know, we feel like we're providing a great value, but, you know, at the same time, I, I understand someone who, you know, maybe their alma mater is not going to be going back into session or in the fall, or, or maybe they're going online or, or maybe football season isn't, you know, looking so great as far as an outcome. And, you know, how do you still get your message across in a way that's, that's, like I said, not that direct sell, but still explains the value of your product. And that's something that, to be honest, we're, we're working on and we're figuring out and hopefully we can have a, you know, a, a, an update on it next week. Um, but it's, it's a really, you know, exciting thing, I think, to tease out. And it's, it's part of the process because with this, it's, it's never really a straight line. That's the one thing I, I can tell you for sure is that, um, you know, in, in my experience and, and working with all of this is that it, it is never a straight line. It's never ABC. We're going to move that way and we're done. It's a lot of, this is what we think works. And then, you know, it's a lot of detours and a lot of ups and downs. It all connects, you know, at some point when you look back on it, but it's a, a lot of meandering. Um, to get there. So like I said, hopefully we'll have an update on that next week. Um, but really to wrap up before 
we, we jump into an interview is really just wanted to kind of provide, you know, three things we're learning, you know, three things that are part of our process. Like I said, you know, definitely not an expert, definitely not someone who's, who's going to stand up here and, and tell you what to do. I, I think, you know, the most valuable thing at the end of the day is just to show you kind of our process, show you what we're learning about, you know, through that process. And then if you like stuff, great. If you don't like stuff, that's totally fine as well. It's, it's different for everyone. And I, I think the first thing to, to look at is the fact that your first customer is not your target customer a lot of the time. Again, sometimes it can be, but a lot of the time, the first person you're going to sell to is, is going to be someone who maybe is a little more innovative, a little more open to these ideas, to a, to a new idea, a new product, a new something. And then you use that person kind of as a bridge to then get to that um, that larger customer base, that target customer base that, that your product was truly meant for. And I think, you know, part of that as well is your first customer, if you think someone's your first customer, you know, they may not be your first customer. And really the only way to figure that out is, is to try things out and to, to talk to those people. So that's something that I, I think through Anchor we've learned is that, you know, we had an idea of this would be our first customer. You know, it wasn't necessarily our first customer. And then now we have a better idea of, okay, we for sure know this is our first customer. You know, we're, we're in the process of, of working with those first customers to then get us, like I said, over that bridge um, to, to the target group, to the, to the target customer, to our ideal customer, um, you know, in our minds. And I, I think the other thing with, you know, one of the other key learnings from this, number two on the list, we'll do three, um, is that you always got to do an alpha test before you do a beta test. Um, you know, beta tests are about digging deep. It's about looking at things that are not surface level. They're, you know, two, three, four levels below the surface. Uh, that's where your learnings are going to be. That's where the important ones are. So being able to do an alpha test and just debug everything, make sure that functionality works, the product works, the whatever works, the, you know, the, the prototype works, um, it's functional so that you can eliminate that noise for sure. And like I said, really drill down into the deeper stuff. Um, so that was, I think, an important thing. And then I, I think the final thing is it's about trying to figure out ways to still put out a lot of, of content, you know, maybe when your product isn't here. And I think, you know, like I said, the solution to that is, is looking at what's the mission, um, what is the, the broader, what's your why, um, to quote the, you know, the, the Simon, you know, cynic TED talk, and what are the things that, that naturally fall um, under that why. And like I said, for Homecoming, whose mission is, you know, we want to you know, curate, create, design apparel that, that feels like home. It's looking at, okay, so if, you know, clothing is something that feels like home, what are other things that feel like home? Is it, you know, movies? Is it music? Is it food? Um, is it places? Is it things? Um, and, and starting to see that and then develop content around that. Um, so those are, I would think, the three learnings, you know, to summarize, we're looking at, you know, your first customer and your target customer are going to be different people. Um, got to do an alpha test before you do a beta test to make sure that you can really drill down into the important learnings that a beta test has. And then I think the third one is it's whenever you don't have your product, maybe it's delayed because of, of what's going on in the world or just because of regular things, life happens, you know, taking a step back, developing that mission if you haven't, and then thinking what other stuff naturally fits under that mission. And then, you know, that should give you a, a decent amount of runway to then, you know, put stuff out there until, you know, that, that product eventually does show up. So um, with that, we'll, we'll jump into the interview here. Um, the first guest, my very first guest, um, is going to be someone who I greatly admire. I, he's someone I, I look up to, someone who, you know, has, has taught me everything 
you know, to this point that I've learned um, and, and inspired me to, to be an, an aspiring entrepreneur. Like I said, not quite there yet. We're still learning and still becoming, you know, that person, but someone who, who really lit that, that fire in me. And that would be my dad, Chris Carlson. So um, we're going to sit down with him. We're going to talk about a, a wide variety of things. We're going to go deep into, I think, golf, probably food, whatever. It's open mic. Um, we're going to just document and talk about everything. Um, that we can think of, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun. So with that, uh, we'll go to Chris. Take it away. Uh, so here we are, uh, first interview, first episode of Open Mic, and I wanted to bring on someone who who I think is great, who I aspire to be um, one day, and and that person is is my dad, Chris Carlson. Well, Has, I'm gonna venue owe you that money right now. That was a great <laughs> intro. So you're covered on this one. That'll be the Michael Carlson. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, thanks for coming on. It's, hey, I'm happy. I'm happy to be on your show. This is cool. I know. It's Very it's. Proud. I don't. I don't know if I call you Dad or do I call you Chris or. You. It's your show. You can call me whatever you want to call me. So okay. Absolutely. Okay. Whatever you like. Well, that's great. Well, like I said, great to have you on here. Um, as I've, I've as I've told you, and you know, kind of brainstorming a lot of this and. Um, as I've, I've told to, to you, the viewers, the listeners, it's, it's called Open Mic, so we're going to talk about anything and everything. And I, I think a good starting point is um, tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, and how you got here today. Well, first off, I want to know, is the hood the uniform? Because that's what I really want to know. <laughs> the hood is the uniform. I was told to wear a hood, so I'm wearing a hood. The hood is the so uniform. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, I, I know. So make sure the full zip. I know. I'm, I'm just glad that we didn't wear the same color hood, yeah, or else that would have that would have looked bad. I want to make sure the hood is the uniform, it because is. I want to yeah. make sure that I'm, that I'm on, on par with the uniform. Well, you the, are. The dress code. You so. are, yeah. All right, official dress code, the hood. So, um, introducing me. Um, yeah. Well, it's a tough one, but okay. uh, I actually... Um, I'm Chris Carlson. Great. So that's a, that's We've said your name about five times now. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So, well, this is open mic with Mike, so <laughs> I figure we're repeating a lot of stuff uh, is what I figured. Uh, so, yeah, I am uh, currently um, the uh, West Coast Manager for Sales for um, Gear for Sports, which uh, is a, uh, has a nice portfolio of sportswear brands that we represent in the collegiate industry. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, from Champion to Under Armour to Alternative Apparel, um, Gear for Sports, Comfort mm-hmm. Wash, so lots of neat, fun brands too. And um, other than that, I just really uh, specialize in my resume. I always make sure I put down your dad. Hey, so that's I, what I, I appreciate always put down that. On, on the resume, so yeah. Well, that's great. And then I, I think the one thing you're leaving off, and I don't know if you're doing it to be humble or just because you, you forget about it because you haven't been doing it a ton, um, but amateur golfer. I do. That's my one hobby. One hobby. hobby outside of outside of being a dad. Yes. Yeah. T-shirts. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, my one hobby is uh, is definitely playing a little amateur golf and mm-hmm. uh, competing. It's always fun to compete. Yeah. Always fun to uh, get a chance to go out there and test yourself against other players. Yeah. And, uh, prepare. Um, and I've been fortunate. Uh, uh, golf's been in our family, as you mm-hmm. know, uh, for generations. Yep. Uh, my father, your grandfather, being a golf professional, taught me the game and paid for me to go to college on a golf scholarship. So I've wanted to keep, um, you know, kind of keep that going. Um, and 
you know, now Andrew. Yeah, your my younger brother, who we'll have on as a guest at some point, at too. At some point yeah. in time, that'll be a train wreck. That's <laughs> um, can you beep out stuff? I, I, we're going we're gonna to tell. I think I have it marked as explicit. I have, delay? I have it marked as explicit just okay, in case as a, gonna, as a backup on any of that stuff. Yeah, you're yeah. going to need that, and yeah, you're going to need a seven-second. Okay, delay, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, but no, but, uh, but yeah, great game. Well, I think it's the greatest game. Um, and again, so much you can uh, learn from people with Definitely. playing the game. Learn so much about people in those four hours that yeah. you're with them. Character-wise, uh, a lot of great things, again, for a kind of a, especially like a fast friendship um, mm -hmm. and playing uh, golf, there's no better sport for it. So. Totally. Yeah. And I kind of, I think you, you hit on that really well. What things have you learned, you know, from playing golf? I think we talk about, you know, sports is a teacher for life. Uh, are there any lessons that have stood out, you know, that you've brought into your personal life, your business life, professional life, any of that stuff? you know, from golf? What, what are some things you've learned kind of throughout that process? Oh, absolutely. I think, I think sports in general is, is, is fantastic yeah. um, for kids. It, 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 in my opinion, sports is that, um, you know, whether it's a 60-minute game mm -hmm. or whether it's like golf and it's a four-hour game, I think that it's a, a great metaphor for life. Um, you kind of, in that 60 minutes or in that four hours of golf uh, or four quarters of football, yeah. you have ups and downs, you have challenges. So it compresses it mm -hmm. into um, a, a smaller um, you know, time frame, but the message and, and, and the persistence and the perseverance is still all the same. Yeah. Um, but you just, again, it's, it's, a, it's compressed into a smaller time frame. So mm -hmm. there's a lot you can learn from it. Um, and golf's certainly one of those because I've never played a round of golf that, you know, I never hit, um, you know, 18 perfect shots. It's yeah. not possible. Uh, there's 18 holes and, and um, you know what, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs mm -hmm. in those, uh, in those holes and you've got to weather it. You've got to yeah. come back from, uh, you know, adversity. Yeah. And so that's what it teaches you. And believe it or not, there's a lot of pride in the fact that uh, if you do uh, well and you do kind of weather a storm and you come back and maybe you birdie the last couple holes or maybe you just hang on for dear life the last few holes. Um, those are things that you can take into real life. Mm -hmm. and, and, and again, it's what I think is so great about sports in general for any um, kids to learn or play. And it doesn't have to be professional. Yeah. Um, doesn't have to be even really good amateur. It just needs to be about the experience and then kind of for the parent, the coach, the child to connect those dots and then kind of understand um, what they learned. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's you've played it, I mean, all the different levels. And, you know, what what for you was, you know, what was your favorite level to play at? And, you know, where did you, I think, learn the most? Did, was it, you know, is it not only as a was it as a junior golfer where maybe you're learning, you know, just the ins and outs, but where, you know, what level of golf, you know, sticks with you is, you know, maybe the most impactful where you where you learned a ton is there any that stick out or is it just kind of one one big round with you know one one big song man it's it's one big round of golf yeah you know what i think i mean junior golf is obviously great you're young um but a lot of times you're learning in junior golf and, and you're learning to control your emotions yeah. which is a huge part of golf which is tough to do at 10 11 12 13 14 i mean you know obviously your body's changing you're going through different um, things in your life as a teenager. So, you know, when you put golf into that, it's complicated. Yeah. Um, cause you're trying to do your best. Um, I would probably say college golf was probably, um, in my opinion, you know, um, 
the best four years mm -hmm. um, because uh, you know what it's it's college sports and if you're blessed yeah. and fortunate enough to go and have a college scholarship and compete I always tell people I felt like I had the the best uh, scholarship um, on the planet yeah. I got the I got paid to go to school to play golf so every day after class that's what I did I went to a golf course and I played I um, used to have kind of a running joke with some of the football players and some of the other athletes yeah. that I'd see down at the stadium while I was not weightlifting yeah. and they were weightlifting, um, that I was pretty much going to grab a you know Coke and a hot dog at the turn and maybe a Snickers on yeah. the back nine. Only if you're feeling crazy. Um, right, um, because I want to make sure I kept my energy level up. In the meantime, you know, they're doing power sit-ups, push-ups, yeah. uh, a lot of weight work. Yeah. Um, so, you know, good little ribbing there. Now, golf obviously is very much evolved uh, now. The guys mm -hmm. you see today that play golf, um, you know, back when I played college golf in the 80s, fitness was, was not really a thing. I mean, I did keep in, you know, our coach kept us in shape, um, probably a little bit more um, cardio than, because um, yeah. you had to walk, than strength. But as we've kind of found out now through um, the Tiger Woods of the world, mm -hmm. uh, fitness is incredibly important. Flexibility is incredibly important. And you're realizing that golfers are really great athletes. Yeah. Um, so, and they need to be to compete at the highest level. So, um, amateur golf is fun. It's actually a great time. Um, a little different vibe mm -hmm. than college because it's generally guys that haven't, uh, that decided not to turn pro. Yeah. We maybe played in college. Uh, in some cases, guys have turned pro mm -hmm. and they, um, they've got their amateur status back. Yeah. So, there's a couple of those guys out there. Um, but golf's a great game because, you know, um, Holy cow, you can yeah. go play Pebble Beach where the U.S. Open was played. Definitely. It's like playing baseball in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. You know, um, so that's what's great about the game. And, you know, my dad always told me, you you know, though I didn't turn pro and, and chose not to, I, the, the biggest reason was, you know, you can do a lot in golf, um, mm -hmm. even if you're not playing on the PGA Tour. Definitely. So uh, it's just a matter of the time you put in and the input and the effort you give um, allows mm -hmm. you to, allows you those, uh, you know, if you want to play in the Masters, you need to go win the United States Amateur. Exactly. So you want to go to, or you got to win the United States Mid Amateur. Um, but if you want to play it, there's an avenue to do it. You yeah. just have to work um, to get there. Exactly. I, I think that's a great thing about you know golf as a sport. I don't golf at all. No, um, we've seen your swing. Actually, yeah. you should show your viewers your swing. I we won't do that. We're gonna have top that's... golf. Top golf will never ever be the same. <laughs> there's never ever be the same top. Golf. But I think he hit it on the head really nicely in that if you want to go play pro baseball. You, there's, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten hurdles that you got to get over. You got to go to a good college. You got to get drafted. You got to do, you know, all this other stuff where, you know, if you want to go play master's level golf, like you have to be good. And I think there's a certain level of that, but it is fairly open in that if you qualify for the U.S. Amateur and, and do well at the Amateur, then you can get to the Masters. And again, those are cases that are, are few and far between, but it's, you know, very much uh, the amateur to, I think, pro level is, is incredibly accessible relative to other sports obviously yeah yeah because honestly um you know i always i told you guys growing up if you want to take the last shot uh mm -hmm. you want to take the first shot um you need to play a, a sport like golf yeah it's individual yeah um because then when the pressure's on and the, the clock's down to nine seconds you know you're taking the shot yeah um team sports are a little bit more subjective right Definitely. so you got a coach that basically has to make the determination that mm -hmm. you know John over here, he's my clutch hitter, and it's, you know, the bottom of the ninth, and, mm -hmm. you know, you're either trying to get him to the plate, or, you know, um, you have a pinch hitter that's, yeah. uh, that's 
you know, a good pinch hitter. Yeah. So you want to get him to the play. I mean, however it is, it's subjective. So golf is you get what you get. What I love about it is is um, different from other sports is, you know, what you what you earn is you've truly earned. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, Tiger Woods, if he goes out and has a bad year, he's not going to make the $10 million, Yeah. Um, that he made the year before. Exactly. So in a lot of ways, that's really fascinating because yeah. in baseball, mm -hmm. you can get these big contracts and same with football. And yeah. People can have horrible years yeah. and they still get paid the same amount of money. Yeah. Uh, golf's not that way. Golf is truly what you put into it mm -hmm. is what you get out of it. Yeah. That I think is what makes it a great game. So again, there's no reason for a Justin Thomas or a Jordan Spieth or Ricky Fowler to ever complain because... Yeah. If they play bad, they're just not going to win. Exactly. And they're not going to win enough money. And, yeah. And, uh, um, and and that's what I love about it is, mm -hmm. is it really is reflective mm -hmm. to how you perform. Yeah. Truly, you know, you're paying some guy ten million dollars a year in baseball, and he's zero for four in the World Series. He's still getting yeah. his paycheck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's still getting it, but he's but he's, um, you know. But that's that's the risk you're on. Exactly. And there was a guy. I think I was listening to a great interview with with Max Home, and that was the thing that he was a mental hurdle for him to get over is that when you're golfing, you know, it's, there's a dollar value on how you're playing. Like sponsorships, everything like that aside, like some years you're an $800,000 player, some years you're a $1.3 million player, some years you're a $10 million player. Sure. But uh, those things are, are tied very, very closely. And it's not like you said, you know, the, the Mike Trouts, the Bryce Harpers of the world who, you know, you strike out four times, you hit four bombs you're making 25 30 million dollars right. no matter what right and, and I think that's a you know you know the more we talk about it it's a, it's a tough mental hurdle to put such a concrete number I think on your performance yeah yeah I know it is and it's and in all fairness to those players I mean they get signed I mean that's the risk right so you have the risk of signing a Mike Trout or a Bryce Harper um, I mean that's the risk you run and yeah. that's the risk of management and baseball and finances and because you are betting mm -hmm. that when it's 3-2 in the bottom of the ninth, you've paid this guy $10 million, and in some cases that's pretty low, yeah. $25 million, you, you're banking that he's going to hit. That's a lot of money to put on a pitch yeah. and a lot of money to put on a situation, but that's what you pay him, the, you know, the old saying, what do you pay the big bucks for? Exactly, yeah. So that's what you pay the big bucks for. Um, but golf is different. I mean, golf is purely, again, you're taking the first shot, the last shot, you you got the three-footer under pressure, mm -hmm. There's no sub in. There's nobody to tap out. <laughs> there's nobody to give you, you know, um, you know, uh, a chance. I mean, yeah, it's you. You're the only one that can give you a chance. Exactly. So. And I, I think, you know, kind of pivoting away from that. You grew up in a, a unique situation, and you've told us kids about this all the time. And that your your dad was a pro, Grandpa Terry, Terry Carlson, mm -hmm. and I mean, you pretty much just, I mean, grew up on a golf course. You learned, I mean, directly from him. You've had that kind of direct line whereas other people it's like well you know I, I just went out to the range a bunch as a kid or or other stuff so what was that like I mean you know not only seeing your dad <laughs> seeing your dad every day I guess it's kind of like how us we're working in quarantine you know where I you know I'm seeing every day we're working through a bunch of different kind of business stuff every day, but but very much in close contact what was that like you know from a, a golf perspective what did you what were what did you like what were some of the moments that you didn't like as much because that's a, I think it's a unique thing and you know, yeah. a lot of fathers teaching their sons sports. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's, you know, first I would always say, first and foremost, it was a blessing. I mean, it's a unique situation, but it's, mm -hmm. it's very much a totally. blessing. Um, but, you know, with 
with uh, advantages like that comes um, uh, comes some situations. So yeah. if I you know didn't play well, it was always kind of like, what's wrong with you? Uh, if I did play well, well, it was he was supposed to. Yeah. And I think, you know, because his dad's a golf pro. Yeah. And he gets lessons at the dinner table. Yeah. The breakfast table. <laughs> um, probably what a lot of people didn't realize, probably, truly, a lot of people don't realize, again, with Grandpa being more of a um, club pro, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would go to the course with him in the morning and um, I'd practice and play. But, you know, Grandpa didn't get a chance to spend a lot of time with me yeah. as far as, you know, personally like mm -hmm. at those you know again we would maybe play nine holes at night yeah um yeah i would get some tips at the dinner table yeah i'd get mm -hmm. some tips at the breakfast table um and truly i have everything i you know quite honestly having golf i owe to him and i've had some other teachers during parts of my life because grandpa at some point thought you know hey i've taken him as far as i can take him yeah. or you need a different perspective mm -hmm. um you need a different thought which we all do at certain times but you know um, 95% of what I've learned and where I am today is, is due to grandpa. Yeah. Um, the other 5% and the other couple teachers that I've had in there mixed in there have given me kind of a good, yeah. um, you know, a good, a, a, a good blend of new information. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, I learned the game obviously from, from grandpa. So, um, you know, again, I would play, I would say 100% it's, it's a fortunate situation, but it does make. I mean, there definitely were times as a kid growing up. Um, you have times yeah. where you're, you know, uh, you're trying. He's trying to be a parent and authoritarian, yeah. <laughs> and then he's also trying to mentor me in golf. And um, you know, that's a pretty tough line to juggle definitely. when your dad's your coach. Yeah, that's not an easy. And there, and again, it you know, be lying to say there weren't challenging times. Definitely. There were. I was. I grew up and started to have my own opinions and thoughts of how to play the game. Yeah. Uh, and then even how to live my life. Yeah. <laughs> you end up you end up in conflict probably a little bit more than uh, than you hoped. Exactly. But you but the, in, in a lot of ways you got to flip that over and say, okay, well, it's you got to communicate more. You got to. It forces you to do other things to make sure you don't get stuck in that mud. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, I, I, this is going to be a terrible segue. So it just shows you again that we're learning. Okay. But okay. just to pivot from from golf to, I mean, you you do the golf thing. You go to Murray State. You do great. You have a lot of fun. And then, how do you end up, you know, coming out of Murray State, you know, into your position that you're in right now as a, you know, someone who's you know director of sales and and stuff like that? Because it's. I, I can imagine it's it's not a straight line. No, and it never is. Any not for any college graduate. I don't think for any college graduate it's a, it's a straight line at mm -hmm. all. I think it's a journey. And yeah. I think you know if you'd asked me sophomore year in college uh, what I thought I'd be doing in life, absolutely selling clothing, uh, probably wouldn't have been in my first hundred. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what happens is generally is um, uh, you 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 take the the journey kind of open minded. You go out there. You, you need to, you need to, the old saying: got to have a job to get a job. So mm -hmm. you got to. You got to kind of it's like a merry-go-round, right? You yeah. got to kind of jump on, and um, that's the key. Yeah. Um, so it was funny. So I knew I always wanted to be in sales. Yeah. Um, but the fact is, no one's gonna take uh, someone that's not in sales. Exactly. Someone that has no sales experience into sales. It's the chicken or the egg. You need right. two years of experience to apply right. for this entry-level job. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's always the famous uh, the famous quote, um, the one that's kind of baffles you and you scratch your head. Yeah. At. But um, you know what? I was I actually um, was fortunate. Uh, to, again, I think this is part of the process too. It's it's kind of who you know. Mm -hmm. You have to get lucky, I always say that, but um, you do need a little bit of luck. Yeah. And um, I think that's a, a, just 
it's life. You yeah. just need to, you know, and, and you need to be thankful and grateful when you get that luck. Um, and I did get lucky with, um, uh, with a friend of grandpa's um, that was in public relations. And um, he offered me a job. He, I caddied for him. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, again, that was kind of my job growing up was caddying. Yeah. That's why I made money for school. And it's this gentleman I'd caddied for. And he had an opportunity um, out of college and he offered it to me. So I graduated like May 18th and was literally downtown Chicago working in a public relations firm like June 6th. Wow. And it was literally yeah. like that fast. Um, but I was an assistant account executive. I did what every, you know, first job person should do. I got yeah. cop. I got coffee. <laughs> I got copies. Um, I didn't have spreadsheets back then. So you weren't doing any spreadsheet type stuff. No, thank stuff, God but, I wasn't yeah. doing any spreadsheets. That's for sure. Because I would have messed those up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was, uh, you know, getting coffee, getting water, making copies, uh, um, sitting in meetings, taking notes, uh, all that kind of stuff. And I think when you have that kind of, again, yeah. everybody should start there, right? You yeah. should, you know. One of the things that grandpa always says that I always think is true, you should be able to do all the jobs below you. Definitely. So, you know, he would talk about the fact that he could clean carts. He would talk about the fact that he could pick a range. He yeah. would talk about the fact that he could clean clubs. Mm-hmm. And I think before you ask somebody to do stuff, you know, you should have an understanding of what it is. And maybe in a lot of ways have done it before. Yeah. So I started at the bottom of the barrel there. Uh, was downtown Chicago for two years. And honestly, um, you know, I remember going to grandpa very well and I said, hey, look, you know what? I'm dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm 23 <laughs> years old or 24 years old and I'm in a suit and tie every day. Yeah. I'm taking a 6.30 a.m. train downtown Chicago. Um, nice thing was the Cubs started to play night games at that time. So yeah. I, did, I did hit a couple Cubs games <laughs> at night, uh, which was nice. That was about third or fourth year into, into the, actually like third year, I think, into the Cubs games at night. So that was kind of nice. Uh, but I was taking the six o'clock train home and, and uh, it was a little bit like Groundhog Day. Uh, great experience. Got to do a lot of unique things. Mm-hmm. Uh, got to do a lot. And Al, uh, the gentleman that had hired me, took great care of me, was always looked after me, really took time to educate me. Yeah. Um, and um, so I learned a lot about public relations. Yeah. Um, and actually it turned out in a weird way, I think, again, you always say these things, and I do think trusting the process of life, mm-hmm. um, though things aren't always clear exactly, at times, yeah. um, you do, you do, Eventually, things come into focus yeah. if you're looking for it, yeah. and, you're, and you're trusting of that of that path. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was fortunate. Uh, I went to Grandpa, and I said, "Hey, uh, Josh, geez, I'm dying over here, yeah. taking that train <laughs> down every morning." And uh, it was all suit and ties. Yeah. And um, I said, uh, "You know, would you mind if I, you know, if I resigned?" Mm-hmm. He was a little bit shocked, and he's like, "Well, you know, you got to have a job to get a job. What are you going to do yeah. to make money? You're not, you know." And I said, "Good point." But I would like to look for something in sales. Yeah. I can't be in an office all day. Yeah. Um, I just can't. I just I just gotta be out with people. Mm-hmm. I wanna be I just I just I want that interaction. Yeah. Um so uh grandpa reluctantly let me um let me resign. I was living at home at the time, mm-hmm. so I did have a roof over my head, thank God. No thank rent. God, yeah. Um and uh, I told him I would caddy again. So here nice. I was at 24 years old, back in the caddy yard. Yeah. Oldest caddy <laughs> in the caddy yard. Um, no, they had some career caddies out there, but I was definitely one of the older ones. One of the ones, older ones, one yeah. One of the older ones in the caddy yard. So um, caddied that summer. Um, and where did you caddy? I think you, you're being very humble, but I mean, where well, you caddied at a... Well, I, what I did after that is... Oh, okay. What I did after that is I caddied that summer um, at Glen Oak and then... The weather changed. Weather changed, yeah. Grandpa said, okay, big boy, like, what's your plan now? Yeah. And I said, well, I obviously have to go to a club in a warm weather situation. Yeah. 
So I um, asked him to make a phone call. Mm -hmm. um, I decided that it would be fun. You know, some kids go to Europe when they when yeah. they uh, when they graduate and backpack for a year. Yeah. I thought it would be fun to, to go to Southern California and mm -hmm. caddy at Bel Air Country Club. Yeah. And uh, fortunate grandpa knew the pro there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think grandpa was quite sold on that, yeah. um, <laughs> that idea. But um, I think he also looked at it as a chance to learn a little bit about life. And uh, so he made the phone call and they accepted me as a, as a caddy out there. Um, interesting part of the story is the word kind of spread in the caddy yard. Yeah. Just like you see on Caddyshack. Exactly, so yeah. Caddyshack, you know. Um, but the word kind of spread, and a couple other caddies mm -hmm. made their way into Grandpa's office. Oh, and okay. said, hey, um, wow, Chris is going to Bel Air to caddy this winter. Yeah. Um, I would love to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm really not ready to get a job. Actually, some of them had graduated college. They were a couple years younger than I, but they this was truly their backpack in, backpack in Europe moment. And so um, they ended up... Um, also going with me. No uh, one of them was an Evan Scholar from Northwestern, so yeah. the kid was like super smart. Other one was a U of I grad. Yeah. And so the three of us all, I think it was November 1st, mm -hmm. piled in a car yeah. and we drove 36 hours out to LA. Um, we got an apartment, mm -hmm. signed a lease, got an apartment, uh, went to the club, introduced yeah. ourselves to the staff and we entered the caddy yard. Wow. And we caddied, uh, we caddied for uh, a few months yeah. before I actually, uh, my str my line kind of straightened at that point yeah. in time. Uh, <laughs> Grandpa was, was, uh, was kind of thinking I might become a career caddy. Yeah. And I think it made him a little nervous. And uh, he had another gentleman that uh, was aware, had known me since I was younger. And his son was becoming the vice president of, senior vice president of champion products and mm -hmm. looking for sales reps. Yeah. So uh, they wanted to interview me, yeah, and that was kind of the job that I was, you know, um, in a weird way, kind of waiting for. Not that I knew it would be champion, but mm -hmm. um, um, that was the opportunity. Yeah. Um, so um, Grandpa put me on a plane after a few months yeah. of caddying out at Bel Air, and I interviewed um, at the PGA show, and uh, I interviewed in Rochester, New York, I believe. After that, and I was fortunate to wow. get the job in 1993. Yeah. And, um, you know, 27 years later, here I am. Yeah, so. that's interesting. So My line straightened. It's, hey, it did, yeah. It, it, it started to move in that direction. And um, I think, you know, one thing that, you know, we, we could do a whole show on, on meeting mom and the, the pros and cons of um, proposing. That would be interesting. It would probably Pro, that might be a good 13. Yeah, and that might be a good, <laughs> you, you know, his and hers, you guys show up for that. So, and, you know, the pros and cons of, you know, proposing at a, a sporting event and, and all that stuff. So. Because where else do you propose? Because where else do you propose? Exactly. I mean, that's the question. It's either you're a guy, you're going to go to a nice restaurant. It's either Wrigley Field or right. you got to um, go to an arena packed with twenty six thousand yes, fans. Yes. Yes. You need to. You need to definitely make a scene. Yes. So we we that uh, we'll save that for a, a whole other show because quite frankly that's that is a whole other show. that is a whole other show. It is. Exactly. Um. So then you meet mom, you have us, and then you end up you know with you end up starting your own sales agency. I mean, that's Correct. really, you know, what that was like. So how do you, you know, go from, you know, golfer, now you're, you did the PR, you're at champion as, as what I'm assuming is an in-house salesman. You're not, you know, in the sense that you're not a, an independent, you know, contractor, you're not. You, they take, take care of your own health benefits to then making the leap to, to being an entrepreneur. I mean, truthfully, like that's, I mean, that is what yeah, you are. No, and that's what I, it, no, it still it kind of stands today with at least yeah, mom running that side it of the is. So Champion back in the day used to start you out as an, 
as a salaried employee the first year. Yeah. And that was basically to get you started. Yeah. Because when you're in sales, you don't get paid unless something ships. So it's yeah. kind of hard to start out, and depending on when you start out, so you know you could have no shipments. Yeah. Um, and at that time, for Champion, which was owned by Sarah Lee, I did uh, resort, um, bookstore, and teamwear. So yeah. actually, I sold uniforms to coaches. So the big thing there is after that first year, mm-hmm. um, ironically, weird as life has always got its curveballs, um, it ended up that Champion decided that they were gonna make all their sales reps uh, employees. Employees, okay. So I went from being on the rookie program, the first year program yeah. of being an employee, to having my expenses covered, yeah. my health insurance, all that kind of stuff, to my second year, which I should have been independent at yeah. that time, allowed to pick up other lines, mm-hmm. kind of form uh, you know, your own kind of uh, sales. Um, your book of business, whatever yeah, you want to call it. Yeah, yeah very yeah. good website. But um, what happened was, is they decided to try to make people um, uh, corporate employees. Yeah. So uh, at that time, it was a big, big, big shakeup. I started the, my career in Denver, but that time they transferred me mm-hmm. to Florida. Yeah. Because um, they, that's kind of in their reshuffling, that's where they saw me fit in. So I got to call on Florida, Florida State, uh, and eventually Miami and stuff like that um, as things kind of developed. But, um, they quickly got off that. So yeah. after about a, a year of realizing that probably um, nothing motivates a salesman more than being able to make money. Exactly. And, and unlimited money. Totally. Um, and that's the draw of a salesman. It's very similar to golf in a weird mm-hmm. way. The harder you work. Um, There's a dollar value on your performance. Right, there yeah. is. So um, you're kind of, I mean, that's what's the kind of drug of sales um, is the fact that if you work hard yeah. and you do the right things, you take care of people, you take care of customers, you check those boxes, mm-hmm. your intentions are pure, they're good. Um, you know what? Sky's the limit. Yeah. I mean, uh, it really is. So that's exciting, especially at mm-hmm. a young age. Um, that's super exciting to be able to potentially make six figures at yeah. 25 years of age. Yeah. Um, that's that's a quite a good living. So, um, you know, when they realized the sales, I think when they realized that capping a salesman, and yeah. we had bonus plans on top of that, like mm-hmm. get your bonus, you got an extra 2,000, 3,000 bucks, whatever. Yeah. But really, you know, guys could go out and theoretically hit their number, yeah. maybe sell a little bit more, and mm-hmm. you know, they weren't gonna make much more money. Yeah, They've hit what their number, they've hit what they required for. Yeah. So, you know, some guys, you know, I think put it in cruise control. Yeah. Uh, and I think companies see that relatively quickly, and so, Sarely slash champion mm-hmm. changed that model. Yeah. And they went back to independent sales reps yeah. where you could actually pick up other lines and mm-hmm. you could do other things. And obviously it rids them of healthcare and, yeah. and 401ks yeah, and, and exactly. all that kind of stuff. So um, that's, you know, which I think truly in the, at least in the apparel world we're in, mm-hmm. that's the way it functions best. I think if you want to get the most, yeah. um, you know, out of your sales group, mm-hmm. they really need to be independent yeah. and, and, um, and they really need to, to be, uh, you know, um, they need to be driven to, to sell more than they could ever dream. Yeah. And, and have that opportunity to cash that check. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, that's what kind of happened there. And then, um, you know what? Um, we got the opportunity to kind of form our own agency. I, mm-hmm. We actually came back to Denver, uh, Mom and I did. And uh, I think it was 1999. Yeah. Beginning of 2000, we actually incorporated. Mm-hmm took on other lines and um, and it was, you know, again, that was kind of the thing. Yeah. Um, is, is basically 
forming a sales agency and incorporating, and that was kind of our next step in our business. So, again, um, that was 21 years ago or so, yeah. and, and you know, Carlson Sales is still ticking. Still, still ticking. It's mom running it though now. Mom. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. I am. I am not involved in that anymore. <laughs> um, and she loves that. Yeah. And she runs her own business and does her own thing, and um, she likes that independent yeah. streak. Um, so I can no longer. Um, What's the word? Get in her head. Get in her head, yeah. Get in her head. Well, I, I feel like, you know, you could do a whole show on, you know, meeting mom and, again, proposing in different sports sciences. You could do a whole series on working with your significant other. We uh, we, we unfortunately don't yeah. have time to do a, an Irishman-style video yeah. here where we go three hours into yeah. what it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. dating your – or not dating your spouse, if you, of course, do that, but working with your spouse, which is a whole other dynamic. But, I mean, that's that was part of it, too. Yeah, sure. No, sure. I mean, I, I would tell you, I've, I've had a blast working with mom, but mom would be the first one to tell you and, 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 your, and your viewers <laughs> that she would never recommend working with exactly, um, yeah. your spouse. So evidently I'm a drag and a problem, hey. uh, but she's ridded me of that now. Now yeah. she's, she's, uh, she's the old ball and chain me. I'm yeah. off and she's, uh, she's free to, to run her business and do what she needs to mm -hmm. do to be successful. Um, and not have to worry about my opinion or yeah. even consider my opinion. That's so, okay. Uh, but that's okay. But that's part of the evolution. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that is constant is always change, mm -hmm. obviously. So, uh, so yeah. So she, uh, yeah, that could be a whole. That could actually be a uh, mini series. Would actually mini series. Be a mini yeah. Series. <laughs> could actually be an understatement. Um, that could be a Netflix series. Yeah. Uh, full on. So nice. Well, so I, you know, we'll got a couple more things here, and then we'll wrap up. But now. Your, your corporate and, and how is the process of, you know, being your own boss to now, you know, I, I shouldn't say you're, you're now your corporate. It, it sounds like you're, you know, some band selling out or, or something yeah. like that. But you've gone from kind of the being your own boss to now working within a, a much larger machine. So yeah. what, have, what have you learned in that new role? Well, I've learned a lot. I mean, um, learned, learned a ton, actually. I think that, um, you know, uh, when you're working in a, you know, small business, mm -hmm. uh, and it's mom and I being partners, and you have the um, the chance to, you know, you're you, again, you're kind of in a smaller boat, right? You can pivot, you can pivot quickly. Um, you have a partner there to run ideas. It's very efficient. Um, and you know, mom and I are two different styles completely. So that's something that's, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's one of our keys to success. Yeah. Um, because where I was really weak, mom is very strong. Um, I will never say she's weak at anything, but where moms kind of could use improvement, yeah. um, I'm actually, I kind of fill that void for her. Yeah. So there's a lot of positives in that uh, relationship. I think if we were both the same people, I think we'd probably fail. Mm -hmm. Or probably, uh, even you could even say in marriage, that's nice when you can kind of uh, fill in the fill in the voids and in in kind of the open space with your partner. Um, same in business. So. Um, the corporate world is, is a different world. I mean, I'm on a bigger boat. Mm -hmm. uh, we're super, I, I mean, gosh, I consider myself super fortunate, super blessed to uh, be a part of Haynes Brands mm -hmm. who are doing great things in the marketplace right now uh, during this COVID-19. Very proud to work for them. Uh, but also, uh, you know what? Um, you're pretty safe on that big boat. Yeah. Big boat doesn't turn, doesn't turn quite as, as quick. quickly. Yeah. Um, and uh, though I've had some great questions from some of my reps that have asked if they, by chance, had a dinghy boat that could yeah. come off <laughs> and go into the ocean and turn quickly. So there are some questions like that I get. But, um, you know, with anything in life, it's a trade-off, right? Yeah. So you have trade-offs. Uh, when I was a sales rep and, and part of Carlson Sales, um, 
you know what, if I wanted to go play golf at uh, Thursday afternoon because I was burnt out and tired mm -hmm. from the week of selling appointments or an appointment selling, I could do that. Yeah. Um, not my, I can't now. That's yeah. not, that's not my, uh, that's not in my um, options. Mm -hmm. um, I have a responsibility to, you know, be available and be ready for um, the 24 sales reps that I'm, you know, uh, fortunate to, uh, um, you know, be responsible for yeah. and, and to help. Um, help them be successful, um, just as I would want a manager to help you know me be successful. Mm -hmm. So supporting them is my number one goal, and then balancing that relationship and and helping Haynes be successful. Mm -hmm. So that's the ultimate balancing act. Yeah, uh, you know the Nick Walenda. Yeah, um, it's, it's right over the volcano. The guy's crazy. The Grand Canyon don't even know. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget that. Um, they need to do Times Square too. I think he did all that God, kind of that stuff. If nuts. you can think of a giant thing they, to walk over, no. If you could think of a giant thing to walk over with a massive ga gaping hole in the middle, then he's done it all. I don't know how it's know it's chaos. I don't I don't even want to do it. That's why they that's yeah. why he does it. So, so we don't do it. Yes. So my, my balancing act isn't quite that yeah. scary. But uh, but no. But I think that's the balancing act that I uh, have now got. It's not much different than being a rep. Mm -hmm. When you're a sales rep. You need to balance the customer needs mm -hmm. with your company's needs because yeah. you need your company in business. Yeah. So that's really important. You've got to have that company uh, be healthy financially. Yeah. Well, you also need your customer to be healthy financially. So where's that common ground in there? Yeah. And that's what you need to you need to you need to find. Mm -hmm. and so that's a very very important um, part of the equation of yeah. being successful. And um, you know what? Um, you know, I, I've I, again, I, I think what I've learned from that is. Mm -hmm. Um, it's easier said than done. Totally. Obviously. Um, it's, uh, you know, sometimes you have to break bad news. Yeah. Um, and that's an art form in itself. Yeah. Breaking bad news. Uh, my personal philosophy is, is I always like somebody to get a little something. Yeah. Um, because I do think that's part of finding common ground mm -hmm. and part of being a good businessman and, and being a, being running a healthy business. Um, I, you know, opt for the full transparency. Yeah. I, I think, uh, as Mark Twain said, if you tell the truth, you never remember what you said. Exactly, yeah. So I yeah. think those are good things that if you can apply them to your business, whether you're a sales rep or you're in my position, mm -hmm. um, I think those are the things that uh, that really will set you apart. Yeah. The, the, the separators. So yeah. I think if you're that uh, manager mm -hmm. or you're that sales rep, um, I think those are the things that'll that'll lead you down a successful road and give you, give you the chance to maximize whatever opportunity you have in sales yeah. or in the corporate you know, nice. lane. Yeah. Okay. So I, we got to wrap up. I, unfortunately, oh, I, I can, this was like a two hour show. I, this, I know. I wish, I wish I hear the dog barking upstairs. Like, so you're ready like, to, you're I ready to, to go. You had to bring your own water. I know. I know. I thought on the set, yeah. they would have water, but evidently I had to bring my own water. Too, um, so. so I, before we wrap up though, I, I want to wrap up, um, with a little bit of rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you Great. three, I'm going to ask you five questions actually. Okay. The name is three TB or five. Five, five, five. The okay. name is TBD. Tease me with three. I, I know. I, I apologize. So okay. it's, it's five. We're okay. still trying to figure out the, the name. I don't know if we call it the hot five or five questions or open five. I have no idea. Fast five. That, it could be fast five. Yeah. Fast five. Well, I'm a um, marketer. You are a marketer. Um, so we're going to just run through these. So okay. I'm going to do it and just, I'm going to ask you the question and then just say, you know, the first thing. So best burger you ever had. Best burger you ever had. That's the first one. Oh well, yeah, God, that's easy. Yeah, In-N-Out Burger. I'm In-N-Out Burger fan, fanatic, cult mm -hmm. member. 
I got all the t-shirts. Uh, I still wear them and try to look like I'm 16. Um, so yeah, no, that's for me. Is, okay. is, but of course, as you know, I'm a very plain eater, um, extremely boring person. Yeah. So I like the just cheese, meat, and bun. So the number two single cheese playing. Perfect. And, uh, sometimes I get the fries well done. Sometimes I get them regular. Mm -hmm. And then I usually get a lemonade light. Gotcha. I'm an old man. And that's when you're okay. old, you got to literally watch your calories. Yeah. Okay, so next one. Quick one. Best shot you ever hit in a golf match. Oh, wow. I would tell you probably, uh, probably the best match I was during the Ohio Valley Conference uh, tournament. Uh, mm -hmm. I was fortunate as a sophomore to win the OVC. And I remember we ran the 18th hole, 210, 215-yard par three. Mm -hmm. I had a couple stroke lead. And it's over water, and yeah. the green kind of sits at a little bit of an angle. And I hit a four iron right in the middle of the green. Nice. Two putted, won the tournament. Um, but uh, to say I was nervous, not to, yeah, obviously I still remember it yeah. to this day. <laughs> I was extremely nervous um, because I was had visions of, you know, flaming out yeah. and, you know, chunking okay. it in the water. So, well, yeah. First of all, nux for that. Okay, Sorry, from bad to worse, worst shot you ever hit. I think when I was, when I was, this is, goes back to my junior golf days, and again, it's something I remember, so I'm giving you my knee-jerk reactions. I was playing in the junior, PGA Junior Championship of Illinois. Mm -hmm. It was at St. Charles Country Club, and uh, it was like an eight or a nine iron over a par, par three, over water, mm -hmm. and I was playing pretty well, but I was nervous. Yeah. Again, I, if I recall, I was probably 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Somewhere in there uh, of that range, uh, and I remember, I think I hit like four balls straight in the water. Oh, Just kept chunking wow. them in the water. Yeah, my mom was over to the side. I think she turned her head. God, I don't blame her. She couldn't, you know, who wants to look and watch that? Uh, I was a complete train wreck. Cried after the hole. I do mm -hmm. remember that. Um, but, uh, you know, you learn from that. Yeah. Um, still left a scar, obviously. Okay. Um, but uh, but I would say those are kind of that, that, that moment still mm -hmm. occasionally creeps in my mind. Gotcha. Even though, again, it, it was, you know. Young age, but it left an impression. So. Hey, that's totally fair. Like, yeah. I could, I would, if I yeah. hit four shots straight into the water, that would definitely be there for me. Yeah, I had a twelve in the hole. It was yeah. awesome. <laughs> the car was three, so uh, had had some birdies to make on the back nine. So okay, so this one okay. we're gonna go good. Uh, you and three other people can go play golf. You, they can be professional athletes, professional golfers, celebrities. Who's in your foursome? Wow, now that's a great question. I wish you would have given me that before this. That's my bad. I should have yeah, prepped yeah, you on that. Should have prepped me on that one. So that's a tough one. Wow, uh, three other people to play golf with. Mm -hmm. Cheapers, creepers, that's good. Um, I would probably say I, I would love to play uh, golf with Freddie Couples. Freddie Couples. Freddie Couples would be absolutely dynamite mm -hmm. to uh, to play golf with. Um, such an easygoing guy. Obviously, I've heard all the stories. Uh, super fun to be around. Um, wow. Um, other professional athletes that I it can be like celebrity to, yeah, it can be anyone yeah well celebrities I mean yeah that's a little different um, in that regard um, I would probably say um, you know I don't know if he plays golf but if he did play golf yeah. I would I would love to play with Jay Leno I Jay Leno Jay okay Leno yeah that'd be a good one all-time favorite yeah uh, celebrities I don't think Jay plays golf so we, hey, we could throw him in the. It's your ideal foursome. Yeah, it's yours. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would definitely uh, enjoy enjoy uh, playing golf with him a lot because I do I do enjoy him. Um, wow. So let me just see. So I got one celebrity. I got, you got one. Freddie. You got Jay. Jay. And you uh, got one more. You got one more. I would. I would probably. Wow. Wow. This is getting to be a good question because I know I'm missing somebody. <laughs> I know I'm completely missing somebody. So let's pick. Um, um, hmm. Jeepers creepers. Uh, man. How about, um, 
Let's go with Adam Thielen. Minnesota oh, Vikings. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Adam Thielen's a big golfer. He's, he's a big, a big golfer. golfer. He's yeah. A big golfer. He'd okay. Be fun to play with. I need a good balance. Yeah. That's yeah. A good balance. Yeah. So yeah, that gives you a little football, little little uh, celebrity, celebrity, little pro golf. Yeah. Sounds like a fun group. Okay. It, it, it is. I think it's a very fun group. Okay. So, so that so we did that and one. If Jay couldn't play, I could probably find another celebrity. Okay. There. Well, hey, I, I don't want to. I don't want to have to run you too hard. Tom on that Hanks. One. Tom Hanks. Okay. Tom perfect. Hanks played golf. Yeah. I would. I think he would absolutely be uh, be one of my guys. Perfect. Okay. So yeah. last question then. Okay. Uh, what is your number one sales tip? Be yourself. Perfect. I think honestly, I think you just have to be yourself, uh, be who you are, uh, cherish your style, um, embrace your style. Uh, if you're like me and you talk too much, it's okay. Got to read the room though. Yeah. Got to know when to <laughs> shut her down. Um, but no, I think if you're yourself, I think that's the separator, right? Yeah. People have to buy into you because mm-hmm. really they're not just buying the product. Yeah. They're buying you. Yeah. And you want to, if you have passion for that product and um, you're excited about selling it, selling's emotional. I always yeah. say that. I really do believe selling's emotional. And um, you really want to get the opportunity to let people see who you are. Um, and that creates trust. Mm-hmm. And if you have trust, people have faith in you. Mm-hmm. And again, I think all those dominoes kind of fall in your favor. But uh, being yourself is is it's nice. important. Well, hey, with that, we're done. We'll definitely have you back on because I feel like we've oh. only we're what forty is a forty five minute long interview, and I think we've only wow. scratched the surface. I thought it was four to five. I, <laughs> so, that's so a lot. We'll we'll definitely yeah. have you back on later to talk about a whole mess of other things. But more than anything, thanks for being a, a great dad, a great first guest, and um, it's been great, man. Thanks All so right, much. Thank hey, one. Thanks so much, guys, uh, for tuning in to the first episode of open mic it, it was great to kind of run through it we're going to get better every week we're going to keep learning a lot of stuff every week like i said this is about documenting the process and and really improving and, and taking what we're learning and and putting it out in front of the world for hopefully the betterment of of everyone else who could be going through something similar or is just looking to to learn new things so we'll be back next week um same time same place uh, looking forward to having you guys listen, whether it's through the podcast, uh, watch on YouTube, um, or maybe you're stumbling upon this clip on social media. But more than anything, thanks so much, and we'll see you guys next week.